0: The story today involves a man who is healed, but doesn't initially see as clearly as maybe he was hoping he would. And this story, in so many ways, is emblematic of the rest of the Gospel of Mark. We've been talking about the kingdom of God these last couple of months, and in the second half of Mark, the kingdom of God begins to reveal itself as Jesus goes towards the cross. And we learn that the best way to see this kingdom is to follow Jesus on his path. Before I get into that, I wanted to talk just a little bit about a book that I've been reading recently that is really my attempt to bolster my nerd bona fides. And the book really makes me think about this vision that Jesus seeks for in us. Um, The book is called A Mind for Numbers. It's about how to learn better. That's right, I'm reading a book about how to learn. I see the head shaking. And so I'm learning a lot. Uh, for instance, I'm learning the difference between what's called diffuse thinking and focused thinking. Um, when you think about learning something new, you probably think about repeating something over and over. Like if you're learning a new language, you've got your flashcard with the word on it, and you try to guess it over and over and over again and commit it it to memory? Well, it turns out, learning does require some of this focused thinking. But that's only part of the story. That's because the brain has a second way of learning, diffuse learning, which is the learning that happens when you're not focusing. So you know when you're trying to learn something new and you get frustrated and you stop for a while? and then you pick it back up, and you're actually better at it than you were when you set it down, that's because of diffuse learning. And you need that. And so the best way to do diffuse learning, and this is, I'm so glad that this is the answer, uh, is to take a nap. (laughs) So the author of this book tells the story about Thomas Edison, Um, He supposedly had a practice for solving tough problems. So he would get stuck on something he was working on and so he'd go over to the recliner that was in his office and he would take a nap and he would hold a ball bearing in his hand over a metal plate and doze off. And when he got into sleep, his hand would go limp and the ball would fall and hit the plate and it would wake him up. And he would wake up and could suddenly discover new solutions to the problem at hand. Now, I prefer just setting an alarm on my Apple watch, but he was working with what he had. So learning is not something that just happens. It's a process. It takes time and it takes a synthesis, not just knowing the subject, but actually synthesizing it into our psyches. So, today, during the season of Lent, we're going to hear a passage in which Jesus heals a blind man. But rather than this be a one time thing, it instead takes a process. And that tells us something about the gospel, something that's important to keep in mind as we seek to follow Jesus on his path. So, let's hear our scripture today from Mark chapter 8. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he looked intently and his sight was restored. And he saw everything. Then he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even go into the village. May God bless this reading. Well, today's passage comes from a middle point in the Gospel of Mark. In fact, almost exactly the middle point. This story is a demarcation. It is if the first part of the gospel is about introducing the kingdom of God, about what it means and looks like, then everything following this passage is looking forward toward Jerusalem, towards the cross. You know, some scholars even believe that this story might have been a stopping point in a live reading of the gospel. So think about if you were listening to a reading, this is the scene just before the intermission. So you would pause. You'd get some time to go use the restroom, get some more popcorn, and you could come back and you could hear the rest of the story. And this miracle, this end point of the first half of the gospel, tells us something about the gospel. If we think of vision as a metaphor for our understanding, then we can think of this miracle as indicative of what our understanding is often like. We don't often get things fully the first time. Last week, we talked about the disciples and the series of missteps they took, particularly Peter. These missteps come right after Peter gets it right in identifying who Jesus is. You are the Messiah, he says. So you can see the steps. Peter kind of gets it. He gets the right answer. But like the blind man... He doesn't quite see clearly. He can see the people, but they look like trees walking. There is still information to come, more learning that needs to happen. And this is what this two-stage healing tells us about the gospel. We may see, but not all the way. And to see all the way, so the gospel makes clear, you actually have to follow. You can get the right answer to the question, who is Jesus? But to actually understand what that means, well that takes the practice of following Jesus on his way. It's not something that you can simply study and then get it, it's something you actually have to try your hand at over and over again. So there was a recent episode of the TV show, The Bear, that for me did a really great job of showing this in action. If you haven't seen this show, what are you waiting for? It just won all of the Emmys. It's great. But here's a bit of background for this TV show if you haven't seen it. Carmi is a world renowned chef. He's worked in Michelin star restaurants. And he moves back home after his brother dies to take over his family's Italian beef restaurant. In the second season of the show, the gang begins a shift towards a fine dining operation, very different from the beef. In fact, like as different from the beef as you can get. And so when Carmi gets there, there are people working at the restaurant, including Richie, or should I say cousins, as he's called in the show. He's the guy who had been partners with Carmy's brother before Carmi showed up. Richie is a rough guy, we um, learn in the show. In fact, it was really hard to get footage of him in the show without having to bleep a bunch of stuff. Okay. But he lacks purpose. I think I know he's I'm unsure about the that new that direction of the eat eat restaurant. He doesn't understand what like. all this fine dining is about. In one of the episodes, Richie goes to another fancy restaurant to learn how it works. And he's still really unsure. And the first two days at the restaurant, he polishes forks. Hours and hours and hours of polishing forks so that there's not a single streak in them. And he gets frustrated, wondering what this is all about. Why do people in fancy restaurants that wasn't clean. care this much this for nine hours. I think I know what's clean. I'm telling you, that's not clean. That was not clean and either. Please happens. do them properly yeah. or outside. Do you think this is below you or something? Man, I think I'm 45 years old polishing forks. No one is asking you to be here. I don't think anybody remembers your name. Nice try. You think I don't know how hard it is hiring people since COVID? We don't have that problem. You really drink this Kool-Aid, huh? Yeah, I do. Why? Because I love this, Richie. I love this so much, dude. Did you know that when this restaurant opened 12 years ago, it won the best restaurant in the world the same year? It's retained three stars because we have a waiting list that's long. 5,000 people waiting at any given moment long. Do you see their faces when they walk in here? How stoked they are to see us and how stoked we have to be to serve them? It takes 200 people to keep this place in orbit, and at any given moment, one of those people that is waiting in line gets to eat here. They get to spend their time and their money here. I'm sorry, bro, but we need to have some forks without streaks in them. Every day here is the freaking Super Bowl. You don't have to drink the Kool-Aid, Richie. I just need you to respect me. I need you to respect the staff, I need you to respect the diners, and I need you to respect yourself. I can do respect. Lovely, I'll see you inside. All right, so notice, Richie has been lectured on why this is important. It's as though he's listened to a sermon on fine dining. Maybe the ideas are starting to appear and bubble up in his mind, and he kind of gets it. But does he really get it? Well, he starts to get it, when he comes back in and sees it in action, he asks a chef who is calling out orders, who is working as hard as he's ever seen anybody work, how she can do this stressful job every night. Five distillation, eyes on four. And she responds, Walking in five. Yes. Every Jim, night I make someone's day. Out fast, please, thank you. 12, walking out. So one scene up. in particular stands counts. out to me yeah. in the show Three, going that to shows Richie's Look actual transformation. Hamachi, yeah. 8, There's a meeting of the staff five, where they're please, talking about talk that night. Yeah. Every night you make somebody's day. Huh? Kimberly Frox, District attorney of the city. Of they are Chicago talking about that night's guests who they have researched research meticulously. As well as Every person who's gonna Bo dine Burnham. in the restaurant On that night they are talking about. Tim and, and two of the guests that we night we learn are public school, school teachers. teachers. And they've posted on social media that they have been saving up for months and months and months for this experience. And ahead of the meeting, the head chef says, remember, they don't see a check tonight. They're not going to spend a dollar of their own money. And you can see he's starting to get it. To figure it out. This is a big deal in people's lives and the experience has to be above and beyond. And then he's standing near the kitchen window and he watches this happen. Gets it And not just in theory. He has seen it in action. He has seen someone's face light up. He has seen that gasp of "I can't believe this is happening." And for me, this is the thing with learning. We all know in our minds that practicing the way of Jesus is the way to life. We know that, being in, that in being a disciple of the living God, we find an abundance that we can't quite explain. We know that in telling folks they are loved by a God who would do anything for them, including dying on a cross, that, that is a powerful responsibility. But do you really know how powerful it is if you never experience the transformation it causes? Do you know how important it is if you never act on the knowledge? You see, we can be like Peter and come up with the right answer over and over and over again. Jesus is the Messiah. And yet we can get it so wrong. And so Jesus calls us not simply to know the right answer, but to walk with him on his way. Richie doesn't just get a lecture about forks. He gets shown why this matters. So this week I had a colleague tell this story about something going on in his church. This is down in Lebanon. His church is having a conversation about what it means to be more welcoming to the LGBTQ community. And so they're asking previous members and folks connected to the community about times when the church has been welcoming. And so the, church, the piece that came out this month is from someone who grew up in the church several decades ago, but who has now moved on. And in his reflection, he shared how, when he was a youth, he discovered that he was gay. And can you imagine back in the 90s being gay in rural Indiana? And so he went to the pastor of this church in Lebanon and he asked them what he should do. And right now, I think you all know the right answer. You would affirm him, remind him of God's love, and we would know that that's a powerful thing. And what this pastor did was very similar, right? He told the young man, I want you to wake up every morning and first thing, look in the mirror and say, you are God's beloved. Every day, wake up and say that to yourself. And he did. And I don't think we actually grasp the power of this till you see it in action, till you see the transformation it makes possible. Because in this young man's piece for the church this week, he's now a grown man, an adult. He shared that this act saved his life. That questioning his sexuality led him down a path that made him wonder whether or not his life was worth living. And it was literally this pastor practicing the way of Jesus that brought him through it. And this is the thing. You can know the right answer. You can have all the theological reasoning worked out. But the gospel doesn't reveal itself to us when we know the right answer. It reveals itself to us when we make our walk about Jesus' walk. When we make our own lives about proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in everything we do. You know, if we're honest, we are like the blind man that Jesus heals. We can see, but just barely. And it's only when we continue with Jesus on the path towards the cross, the path of discipleship, that the truth of the kingdom reveals itself to us. And in so many ways, that's what Lent is about. Repentance is another word for turning back for the transformation that takes us towards Jesus. If you want to know what that's all about, you can't find it just by reading the Bible more or praying more. You should do those things, but along with them, to get the full picture, to know what the gospel is truly about, you have to actually go out and follow, to go out and live it, Let us pray. Oh, holy and gracious God, we give you thanks for this chance to be your people, for the chance to hear your call, for the chance to live out in our everyday lives, your good news. In the same way that your love has come to fill our lives, we pray that we might in all things be people who proclaim your mercy, your compassion, your grace.